Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumpy Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 243, live from Melbourne, Australia, only on pay-per-view. It is an exciting main event between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker unifying the middleweight titles. But as you who already follow the show know, we won't be talking about that fight whatsoever. And that's because this show is fully dedicated to the prelim portion. Now, some of you guys are probably wondering to yourself, if you're new to the show, why just focus on the prelims? Why not talk about the main card? And the answer is quite simple, is that you probably already know a lot of the names on the main card. You probably know a bunch of the people who are fighting there. But what you probably don't know is you probably don't know much about these guys on the prelims. And I think there's a lot of money to be won and... A lot of good to be done in your daily fantasy lineups right here on the prelim. So we're here to help. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the prelim primer is brought to you by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way you play daily fantasy sports for MMA because they don't deal with pesky salary caps or weird scoring rules that involve leg kicks and the amount of jabs you land. Instead, they just look for you to find five fighters that are going to win the five rounds in which they win, and the methods in which they win those fights. And it's that simple. You can watch your points rack up after picking those things. So if you are still not sold on the idea, let me tell you, I'm going to give you your first two contests for free. That's right, your first two contests for free. The first one, all you got to do is log in, get your username, and then just click the free game. There'll be a free game right there in the lobby. It's for a $20 Amazon gift card. Plus, for listeners to this show, you can use the contest code prelim 18 that's prelim 18 and you're going to get a chance to win some bsmma swag as well so check out both those contests give it a try at bsmma.com and to help you out with those picks over on bsmma.com i've enlisted the help of a savvy co-host i once again am joined by chase kurt patrick who is currently a free agent and from combat docket kurt thanks for joining us today thanks for having me again man i always appreciate and enjoy being on the show Awesome. So, as you guys know, we start each round with putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jake Matthews versus Rossum Achman. So, Jake Matthews, 3-1 and one since moving to welterweight. He beat Bojan Velikovic. Uh, he also beat Shinzo Anzai. Uh, and most recently, he lost to Anthony Rocco Martin by an anaconda choke after getting stung in the feet. Achman owed one in the UFC. Uh, he lost to uh, Sergey Candanzo. Not really an impressive uh, decision loss. He kind of got one-sided beat down. And, and with all those names on the resume of Jake Matthews, Ackman kind of seems like a huge step back to me. Do you think he has much for Matthews here? Honestly, I don't, man. Um, you kind of laid it out pretty well. I, I mean, he kind of got beat up in his last fight, and now he's taking a big step up against Jake Matthews in his home country. And Jake Matthews is the kind of guy, he's still very young, but I feel like he is... And honestly, for a while now, he's kind of been on that cusp of, of – I feel like he needs to break through. Like something has to happen where I feel like he's right there about to break through. And again, I don't think this fight is the fight to do it um, because, again, it's kind of a step down for him given some of the names that he's fought in the past. But uh, I think this is a good fight for him to really you know, get back on track after that uh, loss to Anthony Rocco Martin in his home country. Uh, I think he makes pretty easy work of uh, Arkham here. 
Yeah, and, and I see that he's had 10 months off, too, which I assume is due to the birth of his daughter, which happened all the way back in January. So I'm wondering maybe that's probably some of the reason he's taken a big step back. You know, he's been out of the cage for a while. Maybe this is who they could get him in Australia. But but for me, I'm seeing those holes in Ackman's takedown game, knowing just how good Jake Matthews is on top and how just how good his submissions are. I'm assuming that this is an early submission, pretty much with whatever submission Jake Matthews wants. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you there, man. I think he, I think he finds his way to the back and probably chokes him out in the first round. Uh, Matthews is a very savvy submission guy. All right, so that's going to do it with our first fight. We're going to move on now to talk about Megan Anderson versus Zara Farim Dos Santos. So Anderson, she's one and two in the UFC. She lost to Holly Holm and Felicia Spencer. She sort of beat Kat Zingano by sticking her toe directly in Kat's eyeball. And then uh, Dos Santos, she's making her UFC debut. She's 6-2. and two. She last beat Isabella Bedurik in 2017. That's right. Her last fight was in 2017 for a company called Ladies Fight Night. Uh, so, uh, obviously, the weak area for Megan Anderson, as we've seen so far, is her wrestling. She even got taken down by Holly Holm. The question is, is does somebody like Dos Santos, who's been out of the game for almost three years... Is she able to implement that kind of game plan? You know, honestly, man, I don't really have much to say on Dos Santos' part. Again, she's been out of the cage since, what, 2017? Mm-hmm. I think this fight is all on Megan Anderson. And and really, I mean, Megan has kind of been a weird point in her career because if you don't remember, she was, what, she was scheduled in her debut to fight Chris Cyborg at one point? Yep. That fell through. Now she's 1-2 and two in the UFC. And also... We have no idea what's going on with the UFC's 145-pound division. Mm. I don't think she can cut down to 135. She's a really big girl. She's like, dude, she's like six foot two, six foot three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really don't know. I think this is a big fight for her. I think if there's any hope for the women's featherweight division, I think it might even ride on Megan Anderson because there's very few of them out there. Um, this is a big fight for her. I think this is. Uh, I don't want to say a layup because no fight in the UFC is a layup, but I think if there's any fight for Megan Anderson in her home country to look like a rock star, this is it. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that too because in, in my preliminary research about Dos Santos, you know, from what I can see, she's not interested in going to the ground for the most part. And whether or not she could implement that game plan of taking her down a little bit to mix it up, I'm not even sure she could if, if she could because she's got like a sort of a Muay Thai stance. She like strikes from a distance. I just see Megan Anderson being able to use her like superior size. You know, you mentioned she's so big um, for a, even for a featherweight. She's so big. So, um, yeah, I think it, this is as close to a layup as you're going to get in her home country. I, I got her here. I, I think she probably puts her away too because I think, you know, like if you look back to Invicta, she does have putting away power. So I, I can see a TKO here by strikes. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think she gets her out of there by the second round. I think she looks good here, and I think it, it it's a well-needed win for her. And again, going forward, I have no idea what's going to happen with her in the division, but this is what she needs. I think she gets it done. All right, and that's going to do it with the first five minutes in the whole first round. We're going to move on to a quick word from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with round number two. All right, so my favorite part of playing daily fantasy sports is having my friends over and using the create a contest option because bsmma.com is a fully customizable create a contest option. The cool thing about it, you can pick the amount of people you want. So if you get a lot of friends over, maybe just a couple of friends over, doesn't matter. You want to go head to head with somebody. That's cool too. You can create a contest. You can pick how much you're going to wager on the contest and you can pick the payout structure because maybe you got 10 people in it and you want the top two to win. They'll let you fully customize that kind of stuff. So 
Check out the create a contest option. I highly suggest it at bsmma.com. And we are back with round number two. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start by talking about the fight I'm actually most excited about on the prelims here. And that's Justin Tapa versus Jorgen DeCastro. So Tapa making his UFC debut at 3-0. That's right, only 3-0. All of them are KOs, though, in XFC, which is a pretty big uh, company down in Australia. And then we got Jorgen DeCastro making his debut at 5-0 with four knockouts. He most recently beat Alton Meeks on Contender Series. So both of these dudes, fairly unproven. You know, five fights being the very most. But both of them sort of have, like, that Mark Hunt feel to them, like, big-ass kickboxer with, like, a little bit of a gut. How do you separate them out and make a pick here? I was just going to – I've seen a lot of comparisons for at least Tafa to Mark Hunt. Um, Again, big Australian guy, throws bombs, doesn't look like a uh, <laughs> a chiseled guy. Uh, <laughs> Jorgen DeCastro, he's up from uh, – my neck of the woods. Uh, your neck of the woods too, right? You're from my, Mass. My neck of the woods as well. Yep. Yeah, he's been on uh, CES a couple times. Throws bombs. Um, I don't like. I we haven't really seen enough of them against top level competition. I don't think to really differentiate each other, uh, differentiate them from one another. I highly doubt it's gonna go all three rounds. I give the edge to Tafa just because he can feed off the crowd. He's in his homeland. Um, but it's going to be a banger, man. Don't blink in this one. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. They're really hard to differentiate. The only thing that I'm going to give Jorgen DeCastro the benefit of the doubt here on is that I really like his leg kicks. You know, you saw him in the Alta Meeks fight. You know, he won that fight by leg kicks. But you can also see it in, like you said, he's from our neck of the woods. I've seen him in NEF and CES. He uses leg kicks extremely well. He was a kickboxer in Portugal before he moved to Massachusetts. So I think knowing that fact that he can sort of keep the distance better and pick away at Tafa until he's probably weak and doesn't have as much power, I think that that's probably going to bode well for Jorgen DeCastro. I think regardless of who wins, it's going to be a first or second round knockout, but I'm going to go with DeCastro instead. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tafa, but yeah, I definitely would not be surprised either way. I think he gets finished relatively quickly. All right, and that's going to take me to another fight that I'm pretty excited about because it's somebody I was real high on out of the gate, and that's Nadia Kesem versus Yi Jian Kim. Kesem just won and won in the UFC. She beat Alex Chambers in her debut, but lost to Montana De La Rosa the next time out. Kim is 2-2 two two with wins over Justine Kitsch and Melinda Fabian and losses to Lucy Putalova and Antonina Shevchenko. And so, like I said, I was really high on Kesem out of the gate. And obviously the loss to De La Rosa looks really bad, but what does she need to change in order to be able to beat Kim? It does. I think she needs to get back to what got her to the UFC. She was a very potent striker. I believe she finished all of her fights um, coming into the UFC before she, she beat Alex Chambers by decision. Again, it's a bit of a step up, but I think she just needs to get back to using her strikes, being confident in her strikes, and looking for the finish because I think the finishes are there for her. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one. I think she has to get back to sort of like that mode of that killer mode she was in before. And I think in in even both both fights she recently had, if you look at the Alex Chambers fight, if you look at the Montana De La Rosa fight, she looks a little bit gun shy after she gets taken down. And for that reason, I really think Kim is the perfect opponent for it because Kim has shot one takedown in the four fights she's had. It was a, a desperation takedown after she got stung by Lucy Putalova. So I don't think she's going to try to take Kasim down. It's going to allow her to be more confident in her strikes. And I hope that returns to that, like, 
brilliant prospect we had uh, before of Nadia Kasim. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. And again, I've said it a couple times for these fights, but she's in her home country. Uh, if there's ever time to let it fly, as cliche as that sounds, and put it on for the fans, it's now. Uh, I'm with you. I think I think she gets it done. I think she goes back to that confident striking. Looks like the prospect we thought she was and gets a big win here. All right, and do you think she can get her out of there? Um, that's a tough one because cause I think Kim is a durable fighter. I mean, she hasn't been finished in her career. She also hasn't finished many people. So, no, I don't think she gets her out of there, but I think she does enough to get the clear-cut decision. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I, it, You know, it's women's flyweight or, or women's strawweight, rather. I just think it's way too hard to get you know, somebody out that size if you're not throwing absolute bombs. All right, and that's going to do it with round number two. We're going to move on to round number three after a quick word from our sponsor. All right, so we already talked about how BSMMA.com has simplified daily fantasy sports for MMA, right? You're just picking five fighters, the methods in which they win, and the rounds in which they win. But they also want to talk to you guys and they want, to, they want to get you guys to prove that you really know stuff about MMA. And, I mean, you came to this show, so you clearly already know some stuff about MMA. But they want to reward the people who actually know how the fights are going to go. So, if you can predict certain things about the fight. Like, for instance, if you want to attach that Cinderella bonus to it, and your fighter gets the fight done in two minutes or less, you're going to get extra points. So, by using bonuses like that and proving that you know more about the fight... You're going to win a little bit more, and they're going to reward those that know a little bit more. So make sure you check out those bonuses over on bsmma.com and get playing today. And we are back with round number three. We got three more fights to talk about, so I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this one by talking about Cowan Potter versus Maki Pitolo. So Potter 0-1 in the UFC. He lost to Jalen Turner in 53 seconds by TKO in his debut. Pitolo is making his debut, but he beat Justin Sumter back in the Contender Series with shots to the body in just 97 seconds. So Potter is an Aussie staple. We've talked a little bit about how the Aussies might have a little extra juice behind him. However, is there any chance he gets the work done against Maki Pitolo? Yeah, I think this is one that's going to be tough for the Aussie because Pitolo, uh, the Hawaiian, is a banger, man. That was tough for me to watch. I know Justin Sumter personally. Um, really wanted to see him get the win there, and uh, Pitolo looked really, uh, really good. And honestly, man, Justin Sumter is a big, big dude. He's a big middleweight. He's a chiseled dude, and uh, Pitolo is actually going back down to 170. I believe something about like Dana White actually wanted to see him go down, and he agreed. So I think he's going to have a bit of a size advantage on um, Callan Potter. Potter, I don't want to call him a journeyman, but he's kind of had an up-and-down career. Um, although he's been on a bit of a roll lately to get here. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Pete Lilla gets it done here. Yeah, I think the, the difference in the physique is so obvious. And on top of that, too, if you look at the way Potter typically gets it done, it's by dragging people into deep water. It's by bringing them to the ground when they are tired and getting the submission then. And, look, he's not going to be able to make Pitolo tired enough to drag him to the ground and he just doesn't have the strength to do it so I'm going Pitolo early knockout how about you yeah I mean I'm, I'm thinking Pitolo too and I mean I've never personally I've never seen a Hawaiian get tired and a Hawaiian give up so yeah I'm going I'm going Pitolo by stoppage as well 
All right, and that's going to bring us to the second fight, which is Jamie Malarkey versus Brad Riddell. Two guys making their debut. Malarkey is 12-2. and He's on a four-fight win streak with all TKOs. One of his losses on his record is actually to Alexander Volkanovsky. Brad Riddell is making his debut. He's 6-1 and with five TKOs in that. He comes out of city kickboxing and Tiger Muay Thai. Um, so two really good gyms there. Now, both of these dudes do prefer to strike, but very different styles of striking. Which one do you prefer here? I, I lean Riddell and Riddell, I believe he's what, like two and O in his career. But if you look at that, I mean, and you actually look into him, he's got a pretty extensive, um, kickboxing record. Mm -hmm. I believe he has over 60 kickboxing bouts to his name. Um, he's appeared at one championship. This should be a banger. Uh, but yeah, I give, I give the advantage to Riddell here I think I think he gets it done um I don't know if he finishes him but it should be a really fun fight especially on the feet however long it lasts yeah and and I think to the difference too is that point you made about him having a big extensive kickboxing background he feels much more comfortable like sitting down on his punches throwing heavy ass body kicks whereas Malarkey he's really light on his feet and he's good at pressuring people but at the same time like is he going to be able to pressure a guy who's happy sitting down on his punches and just throwing bombs? Probably not. So for that reason, I, I like Riddell as well, and I like him by by knockout at some point in time. Probably a little bit later, probably second or third round. If I read this correctly, I believe uh, Malarkey actually called Riddell out for this, so there may be a little bad blood there or something, so this should be a good one. Oh, I like that, and that usually leads to more knockouts anyway. So that's going to bring us to our very last fight, which is Khalid Taha versus Bruno Silva. Taha won and one in the UFC. He lost to Nad Naramani in his debut, which I'm pretty sure was on short notice. Then he knocked out Boston Salmon in just 25 seconds his last time out. Bruno Silva is going to be making his debut. He's 11-3-1. That draw is actually to Casey Kenny back in LFA, who has now slowly made a name for himself in the UFC after beating Manny Bermudez. Uh, but he also did lose in the very first round of Tough Brazil to Dylan O'Lopes by Guillotine Choke. So, you know, a little bit of a mixed results there for Silva. I love these two uh, Bantamweights in terms of power. I think they're two of the more powerful Bantamweights you will see. How do you see their power playing against one another? Yeah, I mean they both they both have power. Um, it, it's tough, man. I think it's you know fights like this, especially um, these undercard fights where the guys are fighting obviously for their I don't want to say UFC careers, but for the chance to move up and get fights more often. I think a lot of these striker for striker matchups uh, come down to whoever can take the fight to the ground and throw in a different element. And for me, that feels like. Silva is going to be the guy to do it. I think he's got a little bit more of an extensive ground game. I think he can mix it up a little bit better. So I'm leaning towards Silva here. Yeah, he does have some really impressive, if you've seen his highlights, some really impressive like high angle takedowns with slams. The only problem I have with that is if you look back at his record, with the exception of Casey Kenny in, in LFA, there, there's not a lot of big names in there. And when he tried to go with one of those big high angle takedowns against the guy who was you know, barely UFC caliber in Dylan Elopes, he got guillotine choked. So for me, I'm a little bit worried that he's not going to be able to get Taha up and he's going to be forced to like trade with him more and possibly tire himself out looking for those takedowns. So I I'm actually going to go opposite of you here. I'm leaning Taha and I think Taha finishes him with a TKO somewhere in here. Yeah, I mean, I can see it either way. I'm leaning Silva, but you know, I just hope that they start the card off right. 
and uh, get us rolling for actually a pretty sneaky night of good fights, I think. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, we're done with the, the round here, but I do think that, you know, while this card has kind of gotten a bad name, because if you look up at the main card now, especially with Holly Holm dropping out, it, it does look pretty brutal. But the amount of good prospects they've signed, just to get rolling here at the beginning, you know, between people like, you know, I, I meant, we mentioned Jake Matthews, how it seems like he's just ready to break through. We mentioned Jorgen DeCastro and Justin Taffa, you know, as two guys who are, like, interesting as hell at heavyweight. Like, I, I think that they brought enough dudes who know how to throw bombs or be super exciting, and, and I think it's going to be a fun night of card. Yeah, and then, I mean, it all leads up to that excellent main event. Hey, really quick before we go, who do you got in the main event? Oh, yeah, you know we don't usually talk about uh, main cards on this, but... I know, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm gonna this take, is so good. Oh, I'm going to take Israel Adesanya on this one. I just think he's got uh, a little bit more creative weapons in there, and he has the benefit of being the one who hasn't been punched in the head by Yoel Romero for... for pretty much an hour <laughs> i'm with you there man i'm going out of sunny as well but i think it's gonna be a great fight i'm excited for it all right well you listeners got a little bit extra than you usually bargained for because as you know the prelim primer focuses on the prelim portion of the card give you a little main card taste but once again i want to thank kurt chase patrick for stopping by and breaking down these prelims for us